Earlier in 2019, I got to sit down with the brilliant Natalie Maddox. She is the founder of House Gospel Choir and someone that I've known for years um, on the scene. We first met when she was singing songs and writing poetry, um, performing at different events, including Remedy Nights. Um, and since then, since putting down that hat, she's gone on to do lots of great work around the industry before finally coming up with this brilliant idea of creating this choir and they've gone on to achieve so much and not only has she achieved so much for herself but she's also then been able to pass on that achievement to so many brilliant amazing singers giving them opportunities that they couldn't create for themselves if Natalie hadn't come up with this brilliant idea we talk about life we talk about we talk about some really hard things um and even though we recorded this a while ago i still feel like a lot of it is relevant and that there's a lot that you can take from this and gain inspiration from and just recognizing that life is hard sometimes um even though life can hit you in the guts you can still get up and you can still go on to keep on achieving and not stay down and this is certainly someone who has done more than just get back up she's got back up and she has achieved an amazing amount so much so that in 2020 i've got no doubt that house gospel choir is going to be selling out shows all over the country rocking stages and festivals all around the world and producing a quite magnificent album dare i say hopefully it drops this year anyway um look out for the links below to find out more about natalie and yeah listen on and enjoy my chat with natalie maddox i think what would be good because I remember booking you way back when. Mm-hmm. I remember meeting you way mm-hmm. back when. I think it would be good just to give a little bit of that story because I'm not too sure how many people know the story of Natalie Maddox, the singer-songwriter mm-hmm. who used to gig with acoustic guitarists mm-hmm. and, and do the circuit. And, and spoke a word, don't forget, don't forget I, poetry. And there was poetry in there, there was as well. There um, Yeah, tell us a little bit about that part of your journey how did you decide you wanted to start up in music start singing and hitting the stage and actually you know taking that step from it being in your bedroom to actually going out and booking a gig and getting on a stage and performing to people where did all that come from Um, that came from my friends you know like yeah yeah, they in those I think like all the I just I, I, I just loved singing and I think my friends were just sick of me singing all the time. Like, it's like, you even need to do something with it or shut up, like seriously. So they were like, oh, have you heard about this? Or my friend's dad's got a studio or um, I know a garage crew that needs a singer. Like they literally, my friends pushed me and pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. Amazing and group. And made me, yeah, like quite seriously. Um, if it wasn't for them, I don't think, like the first studio I ever went to, um, my friend had a Saturday job in a shop in Brixton, in a sweetie shop, and it was a guy that used to come in 
and he was like, yeah, produce and stuff. And she, she was like, you need to meet my friend. So she called me while he was in the shop buying whatever. Yeah. And then we spoke, and that's how I made my first recording ever. Like, so if it and wasn't. How old for, were you then? 15. Amazing. Yeah, 15. So if it hadn't been for, for Donna, um, my little Jamaican princess, uh, that, that wouldn't have happened. So, and that was. A very interesting garage tube called Fly Away. Okay. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, you've got a song now, you've got to go and perform it. And the only way I knew that people performed was that you dress up and you go and sing a song and try and look pretty and mm-hmm. engage people somehow. Um, so I did that <laughs> for a little bit. And I was like, okay, but I, it was okay. Yeah. It was kind of thrilling. Mm-hmm. But the thing I enjoyed the most was actually going to the studio and writing. Oh. and just watching the engineer do stuff that he wouldn't really explain to me what he was doing mm-hmm. but I'd ask I'd be like okay so so you fade it and then you pan it left and right and like whatever it was I just that's what I was really interested in so through the writing I started doing more spoken word and uh, I was working at Harvey Nicks at the time because I dropped out of you <laughs> just yeah the mad one um what did you study in uni? I, I, was, I was doing law. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. I know. In the deep end. This is what I'm saying. Like, I think I was doing that to, like, make my family happy in a way. I've got mm-hmm. quite a few solicitors and lawyers in my family. Um, but, yeah, that wasn't my thing. So... How did that go? We've, we've already gone off. Sorry. How that, how, no, but that's fine. How did that go down? Like, well, you deciding to, to put that down. I mean, a lot of people don't always get the support from their family yeah. and follow through on that what some might call a plan B yeah. just because they don't want to disappoint their family or drop that down you know well, I, I, I didn't I didn't tell my mum that I dropped <laughs> out um, I dropped out in I stopped going in like December so I'd only literally been there for like four months you know wow um, and it was January when I made up my mind but I was like I can't tell her so I've got to find a job. I've got to come out of the house every day. So um, my friend was working at Ghost in Harvey Nichols and they, they had a position. So I, I used to pretend I was going uni and I used to... <laughs> oh, it's so bad. So for about, I did that for about six months until I did tell my mum. Uh-huh. Um, but by that point, I was, I'd already started looking for my new course because I knew I wanted to study. Okay. I just knew law wasn't right for me. So... Um, so I took the rest of that year off, and um, no, I didn't. Not the whole year. I went went back in the September to Goldsmiths to do anthropology and media, which was just the perfect fit, actually. Amazing. Um, and anthropology was the the first thing I probably wanted to do when I was about fourteen because I read Zora Neale Hurston's or biography, and I was like, okay, that's a what's big yeah. deal. Like yeah. I, I haven't touched that, but like that yeah. is. Uh, a big author, a big yeah, person to yeah. be kind of delving But she was an anthropologist, yeah. And I, I, I found the book in like a, not like a charity bin, you know, when the li- library's getting rid of books. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 50p. And I read it and I was just like, wow. And then I read Their Eyes Are Watching God. And I was like, cool, okay, anthropology, yeah, I'm into this. Like culture, economics, history, this is my thing. Like I'm a bit nosy, I want to understand how things work. Mm. Um, but yeah, I didn't really know how you could be an anthropologist, so that's why I went with law. Uh, so yeah, by the time I got back into uni, I was still 
I still had really good mates that I read my poems or whatever and they were like there's this night going on you know you should go and I was like but how do you just stand there and read your poems it's so personal she was like just go it was my friend Lisa actually um, that's how I met like do you remember 3 plus 1 um, Carl Ramsey and uh, Darwood and yeah and I went and watched them and I was just like oh my gosh and short man as well I was like I can do that so I started doing spoken words and then slowly brought singing back into that and met some really cool musicians, including yourself, um, who booked me for other stuff. And I just had a good couple of years of studying a bit, working in retail or cinema or wherever I could make money and singing. Yeah. Nice. And when did that, when did that all start changing for you? When did it all, when did you think actually I want to try something different or this singing thing isn't quite working out, maybe I need to do something else. What did that look um, like for, for you? I actually came here, I, I fin well I didn't quite finish uni, I was in my final year of uni, and I, I, I think I'd gotten a little bit, not bored, a little bit tired of trying to do things by myself. Like, I'd, I'd literally work every spare hour outside of studying to make money to go to the studio, and then you'd have two hours of studio time to nail it and you did need to pay for the studio back what do you then mean? Yeah. you couldn't like just do it no. in your bedroom even if the studio yeah. owner was your friend yeah. you had to have money and mm. you had to figure out where you were to get the beats from so there's a constant like looking for producers looking for musicians looking for opportunities to perform writing making the money to go and make that work and a lot of these gigs didn't pay so yeah it was all like I just got a bit tired of it all and I couldn't really figure out why I was doing it but I knew it was because I loved singing but I didn't love it as much yeah. at a point and, um, and I, I was a bit lonely of trying to do it all by myself so um, a friend of mine um, said oh there's this, this organisation called Urban Development and they're doing this course um, and you can go and sing with other people so yeah, from Brixton to Stratford, like first time I've really been out of my ends in that way. And spent a week being tutored by Shola Amma and Jade Richardson and really, really good industry advice as to how, you know, you could keep going with it. But the one thing I found really, really exciting was that I got to sing with other vocalists for the first time since maybe school or college. Um, one of those vocalists was Labyrinth. The other was his sister Shazar. Um, do you remember, like Lizzie, LJ? Mm -hmm. Who else was there? Cool. A lot of really great singers. Um, Iman. Um, and we were at Da Vinci Studio. Yeah, it was just yeah, it was a lot of things for like just kind of blew my mind. But I knew that I loved being around other people in that creative space, and I was like, I don't want to lose that bit. Um, so we came back to Urban Event. We're like, how could we continue this? And we started a thing with their blessing, with their help, um, called the Vocal Collective that ran out of here every week. So I kind of ended up more in a teaching role or a mentoring role, and that developed into an educational job um, actually here. And yeah, that was it. That's kind of, I was like, okay, there's other things to do in music apart from just trying to look cute and sing or, mm. you know, convince people that they should give you a chance. And yeah, 
that's that's kind of where. And would you say that without that that vocal collective experience, it probably or it might not have helped you develop the idea for House Gospel Choir? Uh, it's it's definitely had some bearing. Yeah. Like I knew from then that like I loved being around other vocalists and. Um, that you know, I worked at Urban Development for four years, five years. I eventually ended up being the program manager, um, and it's quite a good job actually. But again, I just I, I, the more I did that job, the less I sang. So it's weird. Like I started the vocal collective; that was the reason I was there, and then I kind of stopped singing within about a year. Yeah. Um, so for the next four years, I sang very, very little. Um, so I left because I did you find yourself missing it then oh yeah because that was it just makes me happy even if I were not like singing on stage it's not that I mean literally just singing mm. and I found the more I worked in the music industry or worked in music the less I sang and that felt really wrong and ironic and strange so <coughs> sorry um, so yes yeah, so I mean that time I been hanging out with producers again and started making some house music which is my other love like I love house music um, and I love raving I'm not sure when I found time to do all this when I think that I don't think I slept very much in my teens and early 20s you know there's nothing wrong with that yeah there was a lot of like raving and then going to work and breathing vodka on the, the <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was good times um, and don't don't drink vodka it strips your singing voice completely it's a very bad it's probably the worst drink um so yeah i just wanted to sing and i was really fortunate i, I wrote uh, kind of worked with a producer called qb smith and produced a great song called selfish skies and got to go to the south africa to tour it in johannesburg and yeah it was just a beautiful reminder of that that bit of it i miss um yeah. What was that like being on stage in another country? Magic, you know. Was that the first time you'd done that? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so what, what, what were the big differences that you could see kind of, yeah, just again, being on a platform outside of, of the UK, outside of London? Well, how, how well the song was received, because for a song that no one really knows here, mm -hmm. um, which is quite cool, um, it was played on South African radio like every day for a year. Wow. So it was like a, I wouldn't say a hit because no like re major like at the time was house music was just South Africans loved house music at that time. So it's, it, they still do, but it's kind of evolved mm -hmm. and they're, they're really into their more homegrown, homegrown authentic sounds rather than imported music, which is cool too, I think. Um, so yeah, it was it was cool to go somewhere where people were coming to hear that song or wanted to knew the words. I was like, I just about know the words. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was good. It was good. And I remember there was the last night, second to last night, we performed at a club called House 22. Um, it's a really cool old like township place where they've made like the old huts, the old, old homes they knocked them through and made mm. it into a club so it's an open air club and it is a bit mad so it's not and it's not like club like you'd think it's almost like going to someone's house with like still got a bit of tarp and but it was just wicked and I remember just looking out and everyone was singing along and I was like this is how I want to feel like it felt to me at the time 
it sounded good like to see and I just talked to my friend and I was like Tash this is like um sound like a choir don't you think like, yeah in some ways and we we finished the set and got on the dance floor and I just had the most amazing night and I, I hadn't had that in London in such a long time I just thought right when I go home this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna sing house music loud so that was the dance floor oh yeah that was the dance floor that's in your yeah. quote yeah 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 it's an epic quote. <laughs> I, I really love it. Founded on a dance floor in 2011. Yeah, yeah. that's big. Yeah, yeah, it was that dance floor in Johannesburg, and yeah, and Tasha was like, "Do it then." That's what I mean about having, even if you've just got one brethren that believes in what you're saying or what you're doing, it's all you need sometimes. It's good mm. to be able to self-motivate, um, but I think it's really hard to keep doing it. It's, it's it's amazing to have a friend that believes in you or even a group of friends but just one <laughs> just one um so i came back and i didn't do it i was still working at urban development it took me another few months to quit mm. and i went freelance as a tour manager um so had you built up enough links for you to be able to just kind yeah. of pick up the tour management yeah stuff? I, I started doing tour management for do you remember bigger fish mm. and yeah they're still going doing their under 18s tours like the same area isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so where were they at the time Shoreditch so I left Stratford went to Shoreditch and then started doing some work for Sirius um, and yeah I just built up my contacts that way and my, my ethos is work hard and be nice to everybody you meet and they'll remember you and want to work with you again and that's what I did like, and it's not fake it's just it's actually really easy when you love what you're doing um, so make sure you love what you're doing so that you can work hard and be nice at it and then you'll get more work it kind of it's a big go, circle yeah it's a big circle so um, so yeah I was able to sustain myself but I still had this like dream of singing a bit more and I just kept talking about it to people just oh would you come and they're like yeah I'd come it took another four years three years mm -hmm. to even do one session just slowly, slowly. So what was that first like initial step to the formation of um, the choir? I was actually doing some work on the Olympic Park when it reopened. Mm -hmm. um, and we did a series of activations around the park to kind of bring it to life. And one of my roles was to curate, really weird actually how things happen, curate some choirs. So. Um, booked in quite a few choirs and they performed around the park um, and a group of the singers I used to work with at Urban Development I was just like oh man I miss you guys this is so cool um, I'm actually working on this project um, and they're like yeah if you do it I'll come and it was like that mm -hmm. I'm still like I don't, I don't know how that's going to happen but then I ended up speaking to one of the directors at Sirius um, David Jones I told him about house choir and I just like, oh yeah, we got, I've got this thing I'm doing, it's house music as a choir, um, and we're just going to sing, it's going to be fun. And he just came up to me in the park, like this is on the last day, and he was like, oh, you know, I've got a friend at um, another agency that's looking for a choir for Glastonbury. And I was like, he was like, maybe you could um, put one of the choirs you've booked forward for it. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but it was there. Yeah, so I said it to a couple of my mates. I was like, this is happening. Um, what do you think I should do? And they were like, well, you've been talking about putting together a choir for ages, just do it. 
let me see first. So I pulled together a rehearsal in a week. Um, there was only 12 of us, but it sounded wicked. Mm. Just, it was just wicked. So I called the guy back, because I said to him, yeah, I'm gonna refer some choirs to you, because I wasn't trying to take the opportunity. If it wasn't good, I would have fully just said, you know, I don't know who could do it or contact these people. But our first session banged. It mm. did. It really did. I'm not, and I'm not just saying they had such a good energy, and people had just come fresh from work, you know, and and all different types of people, not just like singers by any stretch of the imagination. You know, like first round had like a teacher, a couple of professional singers, uh, an architect me who was a tour manager like it was really really varied makeup mm. artist yeah. were not people that sang all the time um and that was it and then we had house gospel choir and our first ever gig was the acoustic stage at glastonbury wow and our second gig was latitude festival and our third gig was buckingham palace <laughs> for the princess i know i know i know i know it was just it was a good it was it was just meant to happen at that time yeah. It was meant like just be ready for the things you say you want. Definitely. So yeah. Okay. And was that was that enough for you, or did it just kind of keep on evolving, and you've seen a bigger picture and a bigger vision and wanting more, or were you kind of content with where you were at, but it just naturally just started coming and more people started jumping on board no I knew I knew that I, I wanted it to perform but I think there was two things it's like how do we feel when we're in the room singing together and can we get that good feeling of being united and really the message of we are one mm -hmm. across to ourselves to feel empowered when we go back to our job as a teacher the next day and a, a dinner lady the day after that like whatever it is so there was that aspect and then the show was giving the best of that and the best of that is a live dance floor experience is to make sure everybody in the building is vibing to house music uh, with a gospel twist or gospel music with a house twist um, to feel elevated and invigorated just like I did that night on the dance floor like countless people do every weekend on the dance floor like that's that's the thing that I'm trying to capture so there's the experience of it as an audience member and as a member of the choir. Um, so in order to keep the, I knew enough about tour managing and, and, man, and developing shows and producing events, to know that that project as an outcome would need music to sustain itself, recorded music. Yeah. To, um, and we'd need a good booking agent and a good management team. Um, uh, I had Sirius helping me for about a year with that stuff and then we kind of parted ways and I was the manager, the booking agent, the creative director, like the Oof. accountant, a lot of things man. So to go from, and that was when I realised how much I wanted to do it because I was able to keep going and, um, and I prayed, <laughs> I did, I prayed and I maintained a good energy around what I was doing and walked in gratitude, like quite seriously though. Um, and by the end of the year had a booking agent, had the makings of a manager in one of our members mm -hmm. um, and we kept going from there. Brilliant. Five years later, 
well, it's about to be five years, April makes five years. And that was a goal. Can I get to five years with singing every week? Yeah, the answer is yeah. Bravo. Um, thank you. Bravo, bravo, <laughs> bravo. Yeah. Um, so, really, everything we've spoken about has been pretty successful. Where have there been the kind of lows on the journey so far? Um, it's interesting that it, it sounds successful, which mm. and so I, I have to sometimes I don't pause enough to know that 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 is a marker of the success, and also like I said, like someone that's not inside your project seeing it as success as well. But e- even from what. I've seen. Mm. Um, so before we even talk about Coco, mm. and you know, like that's a big deal. And mm. uh, oh my God, why can't I think of her name? Hobbs, Hobbs, Marianne, um, Annie Mac, Annie Mac. Yeah, oh, I did say Hobbs. <laughs> Marianne Annie, Hobbs too, though. You know, like yeah. big, big, big deals. You're you're here talking to me about your first gig being at Glastonbury. All right, we're not talking about the pyramid stage, but <laughs> your first gig was at Glastonbury. Yeah. You did Latitude, you did Buckingham Palace. Mm. Like, you know, to say that as three, three first gigs, to talk about an idea that was generated in South Africa yeah. on a dance floor, to then pull that into fruition and make that happen. Again, monumental success because so many people, and I, I put myself in that bracket as well, have these ideas in their heads and they sit in their heads and they sit in their heads and they never manifest it yeah and you have not only been able to manifest it but you've also been able to hit targets hit goals and achieve it's amazing (laughs) thank you like yeah i can't i can't say we went and then that's even before we talk about all of the the lives that you're touching Mm. so again from my perspective I know a few key members of your choir mm. and I see them having struggled for years fulfilling maybe not the entire dream that they wanted but singing on the stages that their voices were destined for that yes. they had never been able to get to on their own yes. but through your vision and your creation you're allowing those people to or allowing their voices and their art mm. to be seen, to be heard, which is probably all they ever wanted. Yeah. At the core of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get that. Yeah. To be the person behind that, that's massive. And that's success. Yes, okay. Sorry. Perspective. Thank you. No, no, I need so I need talking to sometimes. I I think do you know the only reason why I pause with claiming it as success myself mm-hmm. is just because of how hard it was, man, like, yeah. real talk, and how scary it was, and how how much I had to cry to be brave enough to do that, and in the middle of it, my mum passed away, and since that time, I've had members, key members, choir director, like, key members leave because they believe it's something other than what it is, and, you know, so much hard, difficult, dark things have happened to enable the light to keep shining if that makes sense so it, it takes it takes some sometimes it, it like just now it took your perspective 
to help me see that because that's everything I wanted it to be. Mm. And when you talk about the individual members that have wanted those opportunities to do those things, I'm that person. You know, I'm the person. Of course, who doesn't want to sing at Glastonbury? Who doesn't want to, mm. you know, my, my, my vision for the choir was actually that I just want to open every Sunday morning. I want to open the biggest stage at every festival on the Sunday morning with gospel house music. I want to wake people up with that message and with that feeling. Um, and when we went back to Glastonbury, not last year, the year before, um, we did that. We got to do Pyramid Stage at the Pyramid. Wow. <laughs> All Projecting. in time. In time, in time, in time, in time. call it. Uh, we got to do the West Holt Stage, almost the biggest stage, um, at 11.45 on a Sunday morning. And people literally walked to the stage like blurry-eyed from the Saturday night. It's like, what's going on? Why, why is all this singing? It's all this jumping around. And they got straight in, like, and I got footage of it and just like, just memories of that thing. So, yeah, yeah, there is there is so many things that have gone well. Um, but like I said, like it's when you're in it and you're right up close to it, it's hard to pull back and see the success. Um, but the people that have gravitated towards this project are some of the most beautiful, hardworking, talented, generous people I've ever had the opportunity to work with in my life. And those are people that are still there and people that have left. Like they, If you've been a good member of Housewives Require, you've given and you've received. Um, and there's some people that are still in that journey. Um, and my biggest wish is that everyone is, is able to fulfill their own vision through it push the guys so hard to make sure they have a vision because there's nothing worse than being inside someone else's vision and feeling like oh well at some point I don't know why this happens to people and it's a bit sad like not they don't resent it but then they think well I'm giving so much to this what would happen if I put it into my own thing Mm. and that's the question and that's why I keep saying to them cool I love that you're here but don't stop here like and so I've got members that are almost taking a sabbatical working on their own projects and they're like I'm not gone gone I'm back and our mantra is like once a member always a member so come back whenever you're ready you know um yeah so the difficult things so the, the blessing is the people that populate this is a choir isn't it so yeah. these people and on the flip I think some of the shit things again can be the people when the people don't fully embrace the idea and the message behind it and 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 maybe feel like they're not getting what they came for so those things I find difficult and how do you manage that within yourself well, I'm really proud of this because I don't get on with everyone no one gets on with everyone um, but I love everyone that comes and is part of this thing and shares. I really do, and I mean that. Um, but I've never asked anyone to leave. Mm. In five years, no one's ever been fired or told they can't come to a session. Or um, So when people aren't fitting in with the vision or the mission of the, and the goals of the choir um, and the project, they kind of remove themselves for, for a time. Some of them come back, some of them don't. And... I always want to create the conditions for someone to stay because it makes sense for them and leave because the next part of their journey is calling them. Um, 
it's just, just unfortunate that sometimes when people are leaving, they need other reasons to leave. So they kind of make it into something else sometimes. I don't know. That's people though. Yeah, I know. You, you'd always look for another reason that doesn't, you know, well, you're passing blame. Yeah. But, not but, taking it on for yourself. But the one yeah. that I'm, I need to go because I've got something to do, it's the best reason in the world. Mm. Like, that's a good, that's a great reason to leave. You don't have to blame anyone. You can be scared, but like, go. Get it cracking. Yeah. So, um, that's hard. People leaving, I, I always get sad. I really do. Especially people that that give the best of themselves, because I think and, and you know leaders like people that are very good at sharing and giving direction. When those people leave, I'm always like, oh no. But do you find new lieutenants in the masses in the ranks ready to step up? Do you see that developing? I see, I see it developing, um, and I always see people that. <laughs> want the opportunity to be in front mm-hmm. um, doesn't necessarily mean that they're a leader yeah, of course. or that they are the right leader for House Gospel Choir um, we have a thing in each harmony section we have a, a section head one or two and um, the old Latin phrase called uh, Latin's really shit um, primus inter pare which is first amongst equals so okay. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean you're any better than anyone else in the section. It just means that you might get the harmony a bit quicker. You're able to share that information with other people and really encourage people to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a leader to me. There's someone, but actually you're in service. So you, by serving other people, you're actually leading because yeah, you're yeah. being the focal point, but for the best of reasons. And a lot of people want people to listen to them without serving them. It's like. So what if you know the harmony? You know what I mean? Like you get those ones that's like, I know what the song is, so you should listen to me. And it's a bit like, that's not the reason to listen to you. The reason to listen to you is because you're sharing with me. You know, you're giving me something in a wholesome way. And so those people always come through over time and they get that. Yeah. Um, going back a little bit. Hmm. So just um, touching on the loss. So I... I remember losing my father, um, who was always a massive supporter and was always at the shows and and there as a as a massive cheerleader. And it took a a long time to get my head. When did your father pass? So he passed. Oh, we talk about seven years ago now. So um, yeah, there'd been lots of ups and downs in the in the remedy career mm. at that point, um, and. Yeah, I hadn't had kids yet, I hadn't got married yet either. I was still working in retail, still trying to work out mm. the right path and the right way to attack this game yeah. um, in a way that was still being true to myself, which is why I've never found myself in a label, mm. despite having all of the qualities to yeah. be in a label, just it's never mm. sat right with me. Um, and it took me a long time to get past it and to to get to the other side and to get back to working on on what my purpose was and to take the lessons of that loss Mm. because there are lessons in it Um, you don't see it you don't see it at all Uh, and it takes a while actually funnily enough what it did I had a poetry event that was running in Greenwich uh, 
and a poet, uh, Musa, had this poem about his dad's passport. And he was just talking about his passport picture that will, this passport that will never ever go to another country again. And I'm looking at this picture of you. And it dawned on me that actually, Ashley, you're not the only one who's lost someone. Mm. We, it's, it's if we're lucky, because I don't think a parent should bury their child. Mm. It's something we're all going to go through. Mm. And it can uh, be a making of you, yeah. I think. Um, and I'm just intrigued, given that you were in the process, as you've mentioned, of building this baby, to then lose that, that source of love. Mm how how did you find kind of getting past it and and find the the motivation to one keep going but two find the lessons in the loss to push on if that makes sense mm. no it does it's a really deep question Ash oh, no. sorry <laughs> no um, so I, I started HGC in, the, in April 2014 mm. so when we had our first session um, and my mum was diagnosed with cancer in December. Okay. So we've been going for less than a year. Um, and I remember <laughs> we were doing a Christmas gig at the BT Tower, like up, really high up on it. And I just couldn't stop crying because I'd just found out that day. And I think I told like one or two of the girls, and they gave me a hug, and they were like, you should let people know when you feel like it and they all kind of just helped me mm. there was 12 of us I think and everyone just comforted me and I got through the gig and I sang and by the end of singing the song I somehow it like it was a bit of glue it was like glue because I was literally falling to pieces I was like I can't get through this but we only had two sopranos, so I had to do the job mm-hmm. um, Singing glued me together to get through that bit. And that's the only way I can think of it. Mm. Um, so I moved in with my mum, actually. I have my younger sister, um, who's Down syndrome, mm. was my mum's youngest child. So I was responsible for looking after them for the year and by... October, 15th of October 2015, just under a year, mum passed. Um, so just a year? Yeah, just under a year. Wow. So it was like really aggressive. Oh, sorry. No, it's like... Yeah. hard but because I'd committed to looking after my mum and, my, and I had other family members around but because I lived there it was just what it was it's 20 more, more than 24 hours but every Monday I sang mm-hmm. and so that was my night off and I'd go to class and just the act of singing with people glued me back together enough to get through the following week and so when my mum passed, I took a few weeks off and I really didn't know how to keep doing it, how to keep going. But those same people were just like, 
we got you. Like, take all the time you need. Come sing when you can. And I was still doing bits of work from home. Um, and the whole choir, the, well, not the whole choir, like a selection of choir, came and sang at my mom's funeral. And that was just like, again, I don't know, just singing, singing, hearing voices, singing harmony, like fitting in to something. Mm. It was just like you're not you're not by yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like even, and it is lonely. Like you do your your grief is personal. No matter if you've got siblings, it doesn't matter. Like you were going through what you're going through, and uh, so to go to leave that space and fit in somewhere, and for my voice to make sense inside that thing, I can't. I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but it was like it held me together. Yeah, it was like the glue in that respect. Um, but my the example my mum set, which was she worked proper hard like I think that generation yeah, was like, incredible yeah, those had, two generations yeah. before us were yeah, six went kids, through incredible wow six kids two jobs or three jobs depending on the season um, two husbands <laughs> sometimes it helped sometimes it didn't um, yeah so her life was like testament to working hard to get what you need to get done mm. so I knew I couldn't stop doing anything I think working actually helped me to do stuff because if I hadn't have had that outlet or that space um, probably would have gone down a bit as it was already hard enough but um, yeah she taught me how to, to work through things literally and I was I'm not always sure that that's good is good in the sense that you get stuff done but sometimes you have to pause too yeah um and luckily because i had a, a great group of people around and and some really great friends some of the best friends um i was able to pause as well but but also had that work ethic that kept me moving because mm. um yeah just like standing still Will go down even quicker, I think. Um, yeah, that's a very fair comment. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, it's making me think a lot. Like this. Uh, the, the, is it? Past twenty Yeah, it's been three, three and a bit years. Just gone, and it's still weird. Like, still very, very weird. Because she was everything, you know. Um, and my, you know what the partner is you know what a partner is mm. yeah so um, my mum was a partner woman mm. and so every Friday our, her house would become like the hot spot in a way it was like yeah. family she'd make fritters people come drop off their money and chat for a bit um, so we always had community around us as well like um, and, and, and Jamaican culture like our family I don't know, I don't think anyone lives more than five or six miles away, really. And the furthest, <laughs> furthest anyone lives from us now is probably Croydon. Yeah. Um, Bricks and Croydon, yeah. So we, were, we grew up really close. Uh, but since she's gone, I realised how much that thing kept everyone together. Because mm -hmm. I don't see my family as much anymore. Yeah. Um, when she was ill, I took over the partner. And it lasted for maybe four or five months after she passed. 
So I was still seeing my family regularly coming around and then it's like the partner's finished. It was really weird, like kind of being by yourself again. So um, yeah, I've had, I've had some time. Had some time, traveled a little bit. Um, and then last year realized that actually need some help, <laughs> need to talk to someone, need to make sure that I am managing all of these things and all of this responsibility um, properly because, you know, to go from having 12 members to like, I think the most members we ever had was 150, 160. Wow. It's a lot of people to be thinking about every week. Yeah. Plus I'm the main carer for my younger sister now. And um, yeah, and I still want our family to be as close as possible. Mm. It's a lot of responsibility. So when it's like that, you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself, man. It's really important. It's really, really important. Agreed. Mm. Well, am I answering your questions or am I just going off on tangents? I'm sorry, I don't know. You are. Am I? Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. The thing is, it just, it's a conversation. Mm. And whatever comes out of it is whatever comes out of it and whatever okay. people take from it hopefully they'll take from it I've already heard loads to take from it okay. and I think there'll be plenty for others to take from it so okay. you are it's uh, yeah I think it's going to be a good one okay good I know it's going to be a good one what am I talking yeah. about um, right clock's ticking it's almost 8 o'clock mm -hmm. so you have been selling out shows you've got the the vision for live performances to be opening up on a Sunday morning that's the target album on the way, what can people expect from the album that you're currently putting together? A little bit of house, a little bit of gospel, and a lot of choir, isn't it? Like, there, we <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's definitely what, what we're, we're cooking up. Okay. Um, any ideas when that's going to be dropping or, or when? Well, we're submitting in a few weeks, actually. Okay. So in April. We've been working on it for... We signed the deal with Island last on our fourth birthday last year and I want to submit it by the fifth birthday okay uh, so yeah we're almost there got some working with some amazing producers mm -hmm. uh, got Todd Letty on the album wow. DJ Spen um, Mike Delinquent's working on something obviously we worked with Wookie um, gosh my brain it's alright those, yeah. those are four pretty strong names yeah, yeah to yeah. lead off with yeah. lots of men actually and uh we <laughs> so we were like when we started I had a long list of you know who could produce this who could I give all my ideas to and they just make it happen and me and my manager we were going through me and my manager Laura she's brilliant um, going through this list and she was like well what do you want them for I was like well to help like to make the decision about what's good and what's not and she was like so who makes the decisions about what's, what goes in the show right now I was like, well, me, obviously, because she was like, but what's that based on? I was like, well, my, just my opinion. So you need someone else with musical understanding. She was like, what are you talking about? Got it. And she was just like, you can produce this album. And I was like, okay, thanks, Law. But like, what else? <laughs> who else is on the list? And she was just like, nah, stop messing about. So I had to go away and have a word with myself and do some research about what a music producer is. And, um, Actually, I realised that the reason I didn't see myself as a producer is because I always thought of producer as boys. Because oh. um, every time I'd gone to studios or 
like I always knew it with engineers as yeah, boys. That or, makes sense. You know, um, so when I look for producer, I'm like, okay, Kanye, you know, Timberland, Pharrell, Neptune, producers I love. Um, but where were the girl producers? Mm. Um, and then I was like, okay, yeah, Missy. And then there was others, There's, you know, is it really good? It's growing, it's improving, it's increasing. And um, Natalie Maddox has added to that number now, isn't it? Amazing. So like, yeah. And it is, like it is, like the role of a producer is to make decisions about what will make something work. Mm. So I can sing a melody line, I can hum stuff, I can edit things. I know, I know roughly what I'm doing and I'm learning more every, every day. So um, it's not necessarily that you, I always thought the producer has to play keys or has to manage Pro Tools or, it's not actually, it's like someone that manages the whole project from beginning to end. And that's everything. We manage our own recording budget, which is a lot of fun. Being <laughs> 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 sarcastic, um, I actually like budgets a lot. Like, it's a good thing. Yeah, no, I do. Excel, we're bridging. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've been doing doing a really good job with producing this album, and yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, well, as we wind down, um, I've already touched on it already, but well done you thank you like amazing success from the outside looking in as I've already and said well done you you know because you yeah. kept nah 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 like remedy because there were so many people doing nights that actually you didn't know what to trust if, does that make sense yeah no 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 but because of the way you programmed and because of the quality that went in the members that actually booked or the band or the venues you chose you know, there was always this seal of approval almost so when you knew remedy was happening if, I, if I'm gonna turn up on any night I know I'm gonna have a good one like mm. it was never like there's other nights you know of that have been running for a long time and the sound in the venue is just like from yeah. 1981 or something you're like <laughs> what is that or the lights go off you know like and they've got a name but they're not really invested in the quality of it but you you gave us quality and you gave us something that we didn't really have in our scene at the time which was you know structure and shape and branding like to be like this is what you're coming into this is the experience and um, I, I can say for me that that inspired me enough to be able to do what I'm doing and you might not think that mm. um, but everything I've done leads to what I'm doing so um, yeah Massively, so well done you, and thank you for the times you booked me. I think I did Remedy twice. Yeah, you did. You did Croydon. Yeah, you did Camden. Was it Croydon the first one? No, you had one. Yeah, and you had one in Brixton, no? Oh no, no, that was Brixton. No, yeah, Croydon Camden. Yeah. 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 Good. They were good nights. Good times. Yeah. Good times, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Are we, we going to get some more remedy? Um, I am. My ego mm -hmm. would love to have a monthly regular night mm -hmm. that's just there, that's stable. Kind of like what Jazz Refresh has done. Yeah. To just always be there and to be that staple because I do think we do it better mm -hmm. than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of things mm -hmm. going on for us. That thing that you kind of touched on earlier with people leaving mm -hmm. and teams changing. Yeah. Um, to be able to be in a position to one generate that is tricky. Mm -hmm. When I think when I lost my team, 
that's when yeah. it kind of lost momentum mm -hmm. and it's hard to pick that momentum back yeah. up and yeah. find those new people mm -hmm. um, but also family life mm. I, um, I have two kids that, that yeah. need me around I have a daughter who wants to be a singer and is telling me about how much she loves singing oh, and wow. I've, I've got to be there to nurture that yes um, and yeah I don't I don't want to be doing a night where I can't pay people anymore mm. You know, again, there's there's levels to it all. Yeah. When you're at a level where you're past that, mm -hmm. you don't want to go back yeah. to that. Yeah. So it's just being able to finance it. And unfortunately, this game, then you're closing down all the time. Yes. It's uh, very hard to make money on the business side of the venue, let alone you as a promoter, mm. um, trying to get people through the door willing to pay or put money towards these young people's futures and their development um, so it's a hard sell so there will always be one-off gigs mm. if I can find a way to bring other things into finance things who knows mm. maybe there is a, a young Ash Remedy out there who, who needs a mentor mm. and uh, I can nudge in the right direction and, and guide a little bit and take the brand on to, to other things mm. but um, you know I can't stop supporting people yeah it's, Good. it's in me, mm -hmm. like, and that's why I always carry on posting. That's why we're starting this podcast or restarting this podcast because we did a podcast like ten years ago. Really? Oh, <laughs> things like that are very frustrating mm -hmm. when you see how close you were to uh, to really just pushing on to mm -hmm. something completely different. It is what it is. Yeah. I'm, you know, I've come back. I've come here from school, and I've seen. 30 year four kids take part in a vocal workshop mm. tomorrow I'm going to have I'm going to be looking after oh, three year groups so that's what 100 and, 150 kids Whoa. are all going to perform on their violin instruments in front of parents and other students across the day Wow! and I'm looking after that yeah. I have a different gig now I'm, I'm giving people a different start on to the lead is to journey. serve though Ash like and you've been like you really and that's what I do a, yeah you're a proper leader that's what I do so you know there's there's like, like you've touched on there's different there's different things you can get out of this music game yeah like I never thought teaching mm. music I thought I'd be you're selling their dreams to people that you know the chances of people actually getting this record deal yeah like, it's not that mm. you get so much more from music you've talked about it helping you through your grieving process yeah. like um, these kids every time they get up on a stage and perform there's, there's something there's self esteem building in them there's confidence in them that they won't see now yeah. but 10 15 years time they'll look back and remember that time they did that string concert yeah you know or the teamwork or the discipline or all of these things that that come with learning music yes. and learning the language of music that is more than just the stardom when. and can build you to be a great lawyer mm. to be a great politician to be an architect mm -hmm. you know all of those things yeah. like so i have a much better outlook on music education mm -hmm. and what it can do for people um, and I'm alright with that Yeah. and I'm reasonably happy not not, not at the end of the well, journey the, yet. The, vision, the, the vision's there right so yeah. it's like the what was it the funeral says to me 
forward is the motion, the path is negotiable. So like how you get there, that's not really the thing you need to figure out. You just have to get up every day. And, and keep doing and, right. That's key. It's Taking when you action. stop. Yeah, it's when you stop. Like there's there's no chance there's zero chance of you getting where you want to be if you stop. Mm. But there's every chance if you keep going. It's just no. so simple. It's hard work, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's simple. Yeah. yeah. Um so tie it up. Yeah. We've been going for over ten years now. Mm-hmm. If you could go back ten years and talk to a young Natalie Maddox. What would you tell her? Don't worry, bits. That's <laughs> <It's> fine. <laughs> like, seriously, I used to worry so much. Um, I had a lot of fun, but I was just trying to do everything and, and thought I had to do everything by myself. Like, collaboration is key. Yeah. Working with great people is, is, is necessary. Even if you're going to be a solo artist, you have to have... I wouldn't even say a solid team, because that's what everyone talks about these days, having a team, having a team. When I started building the choir, I wasn't thinking about having a team, I was thinking about the choir of singers. And from that, actually, there's so many different skills, so many different types of people involved. That's how we figured out how to have a social media person or a community manager. They're all the people that sing in the choir. So, um, yeah, don't worry, like the things that you have everything you need to get started so just do it and everything else will come I like that Natalie Maddox thank thank you you so much (laughs) thank you thank you so much for getting to the end and listening all the way through I hope you enjoyed that and I hope that there was a lot that you were able to take from it if you do please um, share Pass this on to a friend, pass it on to a fellow creator, or pass it on to someone who needs inspiration or who may have suffered a loss and, you know, again, needs that motivation or needs that inspiration. Things will be all right and you can move on. Um, Do check out the links below to find out more about Natalie and what she's up to and also what we're up to at Music Is Remedy. So much going on in 2020. And uh, if you like the podcast, then please make sure you are following it that you are liking it, that you're subscribing to it, however you are digesting this, whether it's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever. Um, I'm just glad that you're with us and joining us on the journey. So yeah, share, spread the word, and yeah, leave a comment. Let me know what you're thinking. And stay locked for more podcasts and interviews with incredible artists from the UK scene. This is Ash Remedy. Thank you for listening. Until next time, later.